Happy Friday, Friday everyone. everyone. Hi there, Megan and Abby here. We are re-releasing our Gaining Momentum episodes on gender from season one. It's a remix supersize episode. After you listen, please get in touch with us on Instagram, Facebook, or email. We want to hear from you and keep the conversation going. Enjoy. Welcome to the Gaining Momentum Podcast with your hosts, Abby and Megan. This is the podcast where we try our best to parent our kids for the world we want them to grow up in and the world we live in now. start things off with um, talking about what it was like for us growing up as girls in a time where gender stereotypes reign supreme. (laughs) So Meg, what do you remember and what have you internalized from growing up as a girl? Ooh, interesting. Uh, I think that, well, I grew up in a family where I was the youngest and my older siblings were both cis boys. Samesies. Uh, yeah, so we have that in common. I'm going to be interested to hear if you have any of the same experiences. I think I knew like at a really young age, maybe li- like being in that dynamic and just from being observant that maleness meant power. Yes. And not and it's not saying that I think there was like, you know, really deep inequity in my own family or it's just like the subtle cues mm-hmm. around like what you have access to and what you're able to do, Mm -hmm. um, living well boy, well cis boy, I should Mm say, Mm -hmm. um, versus, you know, living well, anything outside of that. Strange examples come to mind that are maybe like weird, but I'm going to share them. I felt like there was like a lot of power in being able to like, you know, pee standing up. Pee standing up. I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) Yeah. And that's a very like reductive statement. I'm just talking about where I was at as a little kid, like, Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure I that's still like, think that I, I know I'm sure it's easy to problematize though when it comes to like what it means to like be male if yeah. you're like not a cis male but for whatever reason like that was always like a standout and I was like I don't know this seems like, like that it was just like such a statement of like a ease right like mm-hmm. it's easier mm-hmm. to even just go to the bathroom mm-hmm. if this is the body you're born in and if that body fits your the rest of you like your, yes. your mind and, and what you feel like you are having also you know observed like the kinds of things that my brothers did and were interested in, like Mm -hmm. that deeply informed who I was. Mm -hmm. Like I wanted to do all those things. Mm -hmm. Like there's a reason why I was like an athlete, like Mm -hmm. all of that um, kind of like stereotypical, like male um, capital, I internalized as being stuff that I wanted access to. Mm -hmm. So that whether that's like sports or the way you pee, (laughs) (laughs) um, it really informed my identity as a kid. Like, I, for a period as a, as a little kid, like, I think I wanted to, I, I don't think that I actually identified as a boy. I think I, you know, really, or, or even non-binary, I think I felt female, mm-hmm. but I definitely like was interested in living in those shoes. Mm-hmm. So, so playing well, with I gender a little bit. Then, just mm-hmm. backing it up a bit where you said the different things that you felt that um, being male would give you access to. Did you mm-hmm. feel that you were able to access those things too? 
Well, and then I think this is where like my sense of injustice kicks in okay. because I think I, I was, but I think I was able to notice how my access looked different or like mm. the value that was placed on my access. And I'm not even talking by like my parents or anything. I'm talking like the world at large. Like, I think I was acutely aware that like people didn't care as much about my sports, mm -hmm. like things like that, that are very stereotypical and still a major issue yeah um even just yeah like the space that i would be permitted to take up you know always seemed like was more like mitigated i guess okay and i and i was like hungry to take up more space and yeah. like do the fun things and yeah so i like had really like these are all very stereotypical things but like in that time when you're a little person i was like oh i want to have a mushroom cut i want to be like <laughs> i said you only so i feel this, like no kids want a mushroom cut. i know <laughs> They're, hey, they're back in style. <laughs> no, but it's like this really like interesting tension with wanting, I remember being misgendered a lot as a kid. Okay. And like feeling like both power and shame at the same time. Ooh, interesting combination. Like feeling like, oh, there's, oh, they think I'm a boy. Like, what can I get away with? Yeah. But then also being like, oh, I'm not supposed to be a boy. Right. Right. Like carrying right. like some shame and like not um, performing my prescribed gender correctly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. What about you? Like, what are your initial sort of reflections on that when you think back to being a kid? Well, mine's actually quite similar to yours. Um, Shocking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Same as you, youngest of three, two older brothers. Mm -hmm. And so boys were encouraged to be risk takers and to like go out and do things and kind of mix it up and create mischief and get into trouble. Mm -hmm. Whereas as a girl, if I tried to do the same things, it would have been frowned upon and just sort of more of the idea of people paying attention to what you're doing and scrutinizing your behavior mm -hmm. and how you behave would reflect poorly on your parents because Ooh. what are they doing letting their daughter run wild or do whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was reflecting a bit about this when we decided to do this topic. Mm -hmm. And my mother was raised by a mom who kind of would always say what a man can do, a woman can do. Right. So I never had limits placed on what I could achieve, but I think mm -hmm. maybe the ways that I could achieve them were different. Interesting. Yeah. Like, what do you, can you say more about that? Like, what do you mean? That's fascinating. Yeah. I think it's just, if I, well, okay, let's go back to athletics, for mm -hmm. instance. Mm -hmm. I wanted to play sports but I also was not encouraged necessarily to be as outgoing. And so it took mm -hmm. me a while to get started playing sports. Oh, and so it wasn't that you can't, but it took me a while to get there because it wasn't yeah. necessarily a clear pathway. It wasn't assumed. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. And then my brothers were allowed to do certain things that I wasn't. And part of that I think is also just my parents, as I mentioned before, were immigrants. So they grew up mm -hmm. in a very different society mm -hmm. um, than the one that I was born into. Um, but just sort of the idea of my instilling in my brothers, like, like they need to look out for me because I'm their younger sister. Yeah. Where I, again, I only know how I grew up. So I don't know if that's just an older sibling thing or if it's mm -hmm. an older brother thing told to look after your younger sister. Yeah, it's interesting. I'd love to hear that from our listeners, like, because you and I have a very similar experience and mm -hmm. like same, like there was sort of this like assumption of care. Yes. But I wonder if like people grew up as like oldest 
like female sibling or non-binary sibling like if there was still a similar assumption that like it was more about like age than gender yeah yeah because like as I mentioned my mother's well, my grandma, I don't know why I keep saying my mother's mother, my grandma. <laughs> There's, <laughs> There's a, a name for that. that. It's grandma. <laughs> <laughs> um, she was progressive for the time that they lived in. I was going to say, so, it's pretty, she sounds like a badass. Yeah. Unfortunately, I never got the chance to meet her, mm-hmm. but yeah, she, she was a badass. She was. Mm-hmm. And she raised my mom to be a badass. My mom is totally a badass. And like, and craziest thing. And you're a badass. Look at that. <laughs> Trickle down. <laughs> Passing it down. Generation yep. to generation. Generational badasses. <laughs> but yeah, so it's interesting because on the one hand, I was told I could do whatever I want and be whatever I wanted to be. But on the other hand, as I said, there were kind of like, it's hard to think of specific examples because it was never mm-hmm. anything explicitly stated. Yeah, I feel the same. Like, I feel the same. Like, it's like, I'm trying to think of like, but no, it was just, it's implied, right? Yeah. Even just stuff like dating. Yeah. yeah. Like that was, we definitely had diff- different roads on yeah. what we could get away with. Yeah. That's loaded. Big time loaded. <laughs> yeah. And I think like, I want to dig into some of that, even that still kicks around. Um, Cause we're talking not that many, but several years ago, <laughs> but like um, 10 years ago, yeah, so like a decade ago, um, <laughs> which but, is also gender nonsense, right? To oh, totally. To be like, why are. are we like, what's the word? <laughs> Fetishizing youth. Come yeah, on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> such a like, like stereotype around like w- women. Well, this is all going to braid. It all, it all weaves. Yeah. Like I think some of the stuff that's like most impactful and sends the most insidious messaging mm-hmm. is, is, are the things that go unsaid. Yes. Because you internalize them and you don't think to question them because it's hard to question something that's never been posed as a question. Yeah. yeah it's almost like a form of gaslighting, right? Where it's like, yeah, oh, it's not really happening. Is it? And then yeah. it's like, Oh no, it's like completely embodied in everything I do. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> And it wasn't even necessarily like, again, like it wasn't coming from my mom per se or my Mm -hmm. parents per se, but just like, I remember being on a family trip and playing soccer out -hmm. just like on the back balcony or whatever, just like kicking ball around and like a man yelling at me from across the way, what are you doing? Girls don't play soccer. Oof. Yeah. That hits me in my gut. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And how did, and was that like, did you stop? Yeah, because I think I was 13, maybe. And so like, like, oh, like, oh, okay. Like, you know, obviously, like, I didn't stop playing soccer. Yeah, yeah. But I stopped playing like in that moment. And then I don't know that I played again for the rest of that trip. Because it was just something that kind of rattled me. Yeah, of course. And it's like, it's not just that, like, well, there's a couple things happening there. There's like a stranger yelling at you and like that's (laughs) unsettling. And also there's like a very gendered experience of that kind of fear like Mm -hmm. of strangers and Mm -hmm. you know particularly men Mm -hmm. but then there is like the like oh am I like you you do it's like kind of anothering a little bit but it's like oh I'm stepping out yeah of something that I'm drawing attention around yes that's I could I could there's probably examples of that that I could think of in my brain too that have that had happened well and that makes me think like kind of that man yelling at me and just the sort of 
internalized messaging that we took up as kids. Mm-hmm. But I want to ask you, why do you think people even care? Like, why are people mm. so up in arms or why do people get so, take it so personally what somebody else's gender is? Like, why is this a conversation that still exists and that hasn't been figured out yet? Yeah, it's such a good question. It's, I, I like this question as a whole, even just thinking about like, why is gender so important to people? Yeah. Like, why right? do we have to do pink for girls and blue for yeah. boys? Or why does it matter if like, are you having a boy or a girl? You know what? It's like, it, it's implied that it's a something that's core to one's identity, right? Right. Somehow, you know, like historically, mm-hmm. the biology that we were born with somehow identifies who we are as people mm-hmm. and what our role is going to be in the world. Mm-hmm. That's like a, uh, like, you know, doctoral level of education question to unpack. Cause there's like <laughs> so much there, but I mean, just off the top, I love asking, I, I work with kids on these topics mm-hmm. and like, I like asking kids this question. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'll just like, I think sometimes they have the most honest and like simplified reflections. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'll just think a little bit about things that I've heard from kids and I think that they're useful. Um, Kids say things like, well, it helps us know who someone is. So there's that sort of like categorizing and like boxing and like obviously like my next step is then to like push a little bit on that and be like, well, what do you mean? Like, how how is this like who someone is? Maybe Mm -hmm. it's not. I think that like ultimately we're just scared little creatures mm-hmm. and we want, we want to think that we know something, right? We want to yeah. feel like grounded and we want to feel yeah. like there's no ambiguity. Like there's certain things that are just like concrete and we know them. Right. And we can like assume them. And then that somehow makes us, this probably is like an evolutionary thing. Like it makes us safer and more comfortable mm-hmm. to feel like we know or we can categorize, right? Like we like to categorize. It helps mm-hmm. us make, make mm-hmm. sense of the world. Um, but like, as we've evolved, like obviously the categories that were, are there are no longer apl- applicable, right? And they're not yeah. accurate. So I don't know. I think some folks are stuck a little bit with like, okay. this is just a habit and we value it because we have a lot of fear in our culture and it allows mm-hmm. us to feel like there's something that's concrete and we know it. And it's like, this is, this is a thing. And then I think power, right? It's like, mm-hmm. We could, we could talk for hours and hours about like <laughs> power structures and gender and yeah, like people want to know it because it's like, I don't know, it's like in our psyche to like understand where we exist in that maybe. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. It's a tricky one because I feel like I think about it a lot and then I try to, you know, you always try to put yourself in somebody else's shoes and understand where the fear is coming from or what they're thinking. And then I have, mm-hmm. I have, a, this is when I have a really hard time with because mm-hmm. I just don't get it. Like, you know, where people who get really upset because, oh my gosh, you have a baby who was like biologically born a boy and you're putting him in pink. Oh my God. Where it's like, it's a color. Colors don't have gender. And so like, (laughs) why are we turning everything? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I just, I really struggle with it because I just don't understand why it's so hard to just let people be who they say they are. I think that boils down to power though, don't you? Yeah. Like, it's like when people step out of the box that we've prescribed for them and that we've, that our worldview has mm-hmm. let us understand to be true. We don't like that. That makes us uncomfortable. And it also, so there's the discomfort of like, mm-hmm. no, this is the box like that. I understand. Yeah. yeah. But the other part I think is like, if we're somebody who holds power, so I'm thinking yeah. of a certain identity here. <laughs> 
Guess what it is. <laughs> I think I have a pretty good picture in my mind. Um, we don't like, I, I have a feeling that, that get, that's unnerving, right? Like status quo for certain members of our culture mm-hmm. is means power. Yeah. And it means holding on to power. Yeah, holding on to power. I, I, that's going to be a refrain say. for me, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I think it replies in lots of stuff we're going to talk about, but like. And that's, yeah, I just, it's, it's a hard one to understand. Like it's a hard one to put myself um, in another person's shoes who's going to spew hatred at somebody because mm-hmm. like they're not who they thought that person was going to be or who they looked at them and decided that they were. Which yeah. is just sort of, it's like one of those things where we, I think we talked about this last time too, how the vitriol falls on the person, instead of the person who's made the mistake and mm-hmm. said something or done something or treated somebody unjustly, it falls on the person who's been treated unjustly. Mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm. I just, I wish there was an easy way to flip the script on that and have it be yeah. the people who are being oppressive, the people who are trying to... Mm-hmm stop people from living their best lives, which again, sounds a little bit corny, but like no. your part of living your best life mm-hmm. is living the life as who you are. Totally. It's a, it's a human right. Ultimately. Mm-hmm. Did you find like a lot of people would ask you like what you were having when you were pregnant? Yeah. And we opted not to find out, um, mm-hmm what genitals our child would be born with. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's like such a, like, and this is the funniest part, right? Basically someone's asking you, what's the genitalia of your child? Right. It's like kind of a fucked up question at the end of the day. Yeah. Right. But it's such a habit. Right. And like, I find like, I catch myself even like for lack of another question. And I think that's part of it. It's just like a prescribed set of small talk. Have you been feeling? Yeah. Have you been feeling? What are you having? Yeah. It's just like those sort of things where, I don't know. Maybe it's just time for somebody to put out a new prescribed set of questions, acceptable questions, and maybe we can distribute those and have those be the thing. Because I think a lot of it too, like people fall, like you were saying before, they fall back on their habits Mm -hmm. in lieu of doing the work to figure out what the new habits can be or, you know, like, so if you're making small talk with somebody, then it's, what are you having? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or, 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 yeah. And I want to challenge people. Like I... I really like, and it would be uncomfortable sometimes depending on who was asking. I tried to be like, have an answer for that. Cause it's just like, those are like little micro moments where maybe you can challenge, challenge people to like, but like without shaming or without like, mm-hmm. cause you know, we all, I, I even, you know, I found that I've asked the question and then I'm like, I, I really try not to anymore. It's not in my habit anymore, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm guarantee I've asked you somebody that. Oh, I've definitely time. done it too. But I like saying like I'm human. I'm having a human being, <laughs> or even just like some variation of that, right? Like so, I don't know. I'm hoping it'll be human. Do you think it would help to ask the person who asks like, "What are you having?" And then you know, sort of, you say your answer, and then you say, "Oh, like why are you why are you wondering or why are you asking?" If you just kind of yeah. throw in like go toddler style and just start saying why to Hi. whatever people ask you, and if maybe people have to stop and think about it. Yeah, and you know what, like. I, I think people would just be stopped in their tracks. I don't know. Like, I don't know why I'm asking. Cause that's what we ask. Um, <laughs> actually, you know what? I remember another thing I used to say, cause we did, because I had like, a, I had high risk pregnancies and anyway, had lots of ultrasounds. And I think at one point, like <laughs> we were too. just like, especially in my first pregnancy, it was like, it, everything was so, um, 
up in the air that it was like, ah, we'll just take any information that you have about this Mm -hmm. fetus. Mm -hmm. So when people would ask me, I'd say, well, I know it has a penis. (laughs) And that's what I know. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what I can give you. It's a Mm -hmm. weird question to begin Mm -hmm. with. Yeah, we got to start like uh, de-normalizing the question, right? Mm -hmm. A good place to start for sure. So in your experience, this case, cisgender male stereotypes on your Mm -hmm. child, what kind of gender nonsense has come up and what have you found kind of hardest to swallow, but also like maybe hardest to push back against? The idea of toughness. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, if he falls and doesn't cry. Yeah. And we're like, oh, you're so tough. And like my my reaction, instant reaction is maybe it just didn't hurt. Yeah. And that's fine. But like if you fall and it hurts, you can cry. And so I just sort of like, I don't like the idea of not expressing emotion as being tough. Yeah. I find that happens a lot. Just, and again, like, as I've mentioned before, my son's only three and this has come up a number of times of like, oh, you're so strong or, oh, you're so tough. And so I'm just sort of like, I'm like, oh, well, no, like maybe he fell that time and it didn't hurt. So that's fine. But maybe when he falls the next time it will hurt and then he'll cry. And that's fine too. Cause that's Mm -hmm. also important because then the, his reaction, being able to have his natural reaction to something helps me as a parent too, because then I know how to react. I know how serious something is based on his response to it. But Mm -hmm. if he's just having to like, quote unquote, suck it up all the time and just be tough and like Mm -hmm. not cry or whatever, (laughs) then that makes it hard for a parent too. Right. Because then I don't actually know what's going on with him. Yeah. I have seen that a ton with like, not just my kids, but other kids. And like, sometimes I'm like, well, you know, maybe Maybe we also hear folks saying stuff like that to um, like female gendered or cisgendered um, kids. But I think there's something about the intent around like mm-hmm. how we talk to boys about mm-hmm. toughness and crying. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, like saying the same thing to a little a person who's identifying as a girl. Yeah, it sort of is like you can say the same thing and they have very different impacts in our culture. Yes, Absolutely deep impacts. Do you want to unpack that a bit? Well, yeah, because, you know, we've, I think that you have really hit on something there around like one of the most toxic things that we do to little boys is that we both in very like overt ways and then in very covert ways, we suggest that emotion, the only emotion that they should ever show is anger or frustration. Mm Mm-hmm which is so dangerous ultimately. And then like I was talking about with race, which I find very Mm -hmm. dangerous because I don't want to raise a child who only knows how to express anger. And then Mm -hmm. that will be weaponized against him for the rest of his life. Right. And it's like, we've like gendered emotions, right? Those emotions Mm -hmm. are like, they're masculine emotions and they're like, they, they, they link to what you said before. Like they demonstrate some form of toughness or like grit um, and strength. Right. Whereas, sadness, anxiety, um, even joy in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Like a kid that's like too like overtly joyful and like skips or like, you know, whatever. Yeah. Like you express joy a certain way if you are told that you're a boy or you're told that you're a girl, mm-hmm. which is a, again, it's like the idea of how colors don't have gender. Like yeah. emotions in and of themselves don't have a gender. So it's really weird in Kind of also fascinating in a disturbing way, just how this has become to be such Mm -hmm. a prescribed thing that we fall back on. Yeah. And I think like, it's just so dangerous. Like I think like a lot of our challenges that we have culturally, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, this is like totally unacademic and it's just like a theory, but I feel like if we like allowed boys 
especially boys who have a lot of power and privilege, mm-hmm. like more room to feel fully mm-hmm. and like did a better job of purposefully making space for their big feelings. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly don't know that we would have some of the same challenges that we have because if you look at who's yeah. like the perpetuators, <laughs> this is what I, and like linking back to things I've said about, I don't want my kids to be assholes. Like, yeah. but I think a core thing in that is that they get to be full feel, fully feeling people. Yes. And then the, the, like, if we're thinking about it in a binary way, which we shouldn't, that would be like where I would want to even start to challenge that. Yeah. Um, we do something that like feeds into that system with the way that we talk to girls about their feelings and, and their sort of, and, or even just their behavior. Right. Mm-hmm. These are, these are big pieces. We can solve it. We can solve it here. Tonight. <laughs> yeah, totally. We're just here to solve it guys. Don't <laughs> worry. We got this. Um, but I would like to say here, I really, really hope that this is something that our gaining momentum community will chime in on mm-hmm. just because, um, this is also an area that I'm very interested in. And I, but I also feel a little bit out of my element. Cause as I mentioned, like I'm in a position of privilege here because I am mm-hmm. a cisgendered woman. And so I, I haven't had to think, I honestly, I just haven't had to give this the mind the mental mm-hmm. mental space yeah. that people who are transgendered or non-binary or two-spirit or genderqueer or gender mm-hmm. fluid yeah. or gender neutral, like anybody else outside of the cis system. Mm-hmm. So I just, yeah, I would love for people to chime in and I want to be an ally. I want to learn more. And I mm-hmm. also, like I said, I don't know, as I know right now, my son is like my my child is male, mm-hmm. but that might not be the case. And totally. so I would like to know what I can do best to be able to encourage him to be whoever he is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. that I'm not like trying to steer him in any direction other than the direction yeah. that he is. is. Yeah. The direction that he's going in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I also think like, there's like this really cool movement of like gender creativity that's happening mm-hmm. for kids. Mm-hmm where I have a friend who's like very knowledgeable in this area and I'm always learning from her. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, and like, I think lots of folks already know all this stuff, but like gender identity, gender expression, Mm -hmm. um, or like sex assigned at birth, you know, these are all different things. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there's just like kind of interesting movements right now around like expression and like, Mm -hmm. um, kids being gender creative and like creating lots of room for that. So beyond like, you know, the stuff that we started this conversation with talking about just kind of like bucking against stereotypes. We're specifically kind of focusing on um, the ones that are there for boys. I'd love to like get into the other end and other Mm -hmm. parts of that in a minute. But um, just like, I think a good start is just leaving room to explore. Yeah. Right. And just play, play with gender. Like, and I just want to say, so I'm just going to, because if people aren't necessarily aware of what some of these terms mean. And so they're mm-hmm. maybe feeling a little bit left out of the conversation and oh, yeah, we call. don't want that to be an excuse that anybody is able to use to not join in the conversation. Mm-hmm. So we will be posting resources. One of the good resources that I've been using is called teen talk. Yep. And so they have a gender identity section on their website where they describe some gender identity terms. So mm-hmm. when Megan's talking about gender expression, she's talking about how somebody acts and presents themselves to the world. Yeah. And there's a lot of play involved in expression, mm-hmm. right? It's like, oh, like this is fun. I'm going to like see what that feels like. And like today I'm a truck and tomorrow I'm a princess and I mm-hmm. love, like this dress and I'm, you know, it's like 
output of how we're feeling at a given time or what we're playing with, whereas identity is like core to who we are. Yes. Um, it's who we, tr we feel like we are mm -hmm. um, as a gendered person. Mm -hmm. And because our culture has put so much emphasis on gender, it's something that people incorporate into their identity. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about fluidity, maybe that looks one way one day and maybe it looks a different way on a different day. And especially, yeah. especially with kids, right? Because kids are, they're wired for play. And this is an area yes. that like we can yes. play in. I think when I think about like the things that I've felt like I had to push back against, okay, this is like so complex for me because it's really like changed age to age. Mm -hmm. I feel like I did a really, like it was easier to push back uh, when my, I have a three and an eight-year-old. So I'm thinking about my eight-year-old right now. When my eight-year-old was small, mm -hmm. like I felt really in charge of that narrative. Mm -hmm. Like I felt really empowered. I felt like he got to play tons with gender and, mm -hmm. and express and, you know, like try on whatever felt good. And, mm -hmm. and that was awesome. Where I felt really disempowered is since like, I've, I feel like I've lost control of the message since he's like entered society. Right. That's the hard part that a lot of people struggle against, right? Mm -hmm. Like there was an article that I read in the New York Times. I think it was the hardest part of raising a non-binary child is other people. A hundred percent. And when I say, I should say like, when I say I, I, I mean like my partner and I, mm -hmm. I just want to be clear. Like, it's not just me. Yeah. I love that. I love that, um, that they said that because uh, that resonates deeply. Like as soon as my kid went to school, a flip switched mm -hmm. and it's really fascinating. It was like, oh, there's like all these things that like, I like to do my favorite pup is sky. I love frozen. Yes. Um, yes. My favorite colors are pink and purple. I paint yes. my nails because my mom does and it's cool. Like, why wouldn't yeah. you want to paint your nails? It's awesome. Why wouldn't you love Sky? Although, mind you, I'm an Everest person, but that's fine. Yeah, fair enough. I'm weird with you on that. Um, <laughs> don't even get me started on the gender politics of Paw Patrol, though. Yeah, That should be its own app. Or just really, like, because there are so many knockoff cartoons of pop, like that are like that, oh, yeah. where all of the female characters wear pink. Yeah, and, like, or there's, like, their one. Identity. There's, like, their there's one, and their, their identity is wearing mm -hmm. pink. And there's no non-binary characters. No. Like they're always gendered. There's there's rarely like, I mean, there probably are. I actually want to put up some like resources. Like there probably are some great shows that are like challenging some of that stuff where there is like characters that are like genderless or gender creative. But mm -hmm. in the stuff that like is shoved down our kids' throats yeah. to like be yeah. interested in, yeah. um, they're not. And I'm totally on a tangent here, but all of the Paw Patrol merchandise, okay, this is like an actual like gripe I have that's deep. They don't put the female characters on the boy, the quote boy, like clearly the stuff that they're marketing towards boys mm -hmm. on any of that merchandise. Hmm. And I, it's bullshit. I find really? it infuriating. They'll have stuff. And it's because I've like tried to, I like refuse to buy anything that doesn't have the whole squad mm -hmm. or like at least some representation. I know that's yeah. like a really weird hill to die on, but the, like it matters, right? It does like, matter. Well, it's like we're saying all the time, representation matters. It matters big and time. It's like not a small hill to die on because like the merchandise mm -hmm. is something that your child will be interacting with regularly. And so totally. like those little things are the things that like stick in their minds and then they sow the seeds and then they bloom into mm -hmm. like, this is how we do things. But like what horseshit is that? That like you're going to put out like, so you'll put all the characters on the girl's quote i'm qu air quoting all of this because it's all baloney it's all mm -hmm. nonsense stuff but you're gonna um, like you're actually like supporting a feedback loop where boys aren't gonna want 
to celebrate female characters mm-hmm. by like completely eliminating them like mm-hmm. from the it's just wild i'm like how are we still here like beyond the fact that they're all binary like we're still here that like they're not even gonna put like sky and everest on the goddamn t-shirt <laughs> i got yeah, and it's just things like that right that are so easy because like these they're anthropomorphic yeah they're dogs that yeah. uh go on missions like yeah we need like to none of this is based reality in reality in some serious ways and yet like that's the hill <laughs> that like that's going too far yeah it's like none of this is based in reality but it's deeply rooted in our cultural nonsense and so it's just interesting, like, like, you know, cool, we'll suspend disbelief and, like, mm-hmm. believe that these dogs are smarter than all of the adults in their town. And the ten, but, like, their 10-year-old leadership that, like, is a <laughs> billionaire inventor, the Tony Stark of Adventure Bay. <laughs> but, like, God forbid <laughs> that we include somebody who is, like, a pup that's non-binary or any sort of non, mm-hmm. like, yeah, any non-binary identity where it's, like, that's, mm-hmm. that's what's going too far. Anyway, end of our possible um, rant. <laughs> yeah. I, I digress. I digress. What I was trying to get at was that as soon as my kid went to school, mm-hmm. wow, that was a wild ride. <laughs> um, I felt this episode was like, is not was really... brought to you by Paw Patrol. They will not uh-uh. be sponsoring us. <laughs> <laughs> We've blown it. Yeah, I, I felt like he had an acute awareness of being transgressive and like there was risk involved like which was I think one of my biggest heartbreaks as a parent to date is like the moment I realized that my kid recognized oh there's too much risk in being myself Mm, yes I've read so many stories about that and just I am dreading Mm -hmm. the day that that happens for my kid where he like it's an innocence lost moment right where Mm -hmm. it's like oh gender play created creativity because every like you know most environments are pretty norm core yeah you know and that's like obviously there's lots of wonderful people out there who are like having the same thoughts and discussions but i mean you know it's just like the reason we're having the discussion because the cultural norm is still prevailing and is still oppressive yes and so he yeah i just like noticed like he was like he so things happen like he had all these like bejeweled jewelry boxes that he had made they were awesome you just like stick the julie stickers on and awesome that's hilarious because i was going to be like how did you make those but you just told us so perfect oh, no no they're like kits pre-kits uh, okay. but he loved uh-huh. them and he like i remember him coming home from school one day once he had started kindergarten and he purged the things no. that he saw to be like too risky oh that's so upsetting and it's also oh, upsetting it like, in how normal that is yeah and i remember trying to interfere and like I, I don't I don't know I don't have an answer for that moment because like he was feeling a feeling that mm-hmm. there was like I'm not gonna tell him it's safe yeah because it's not it probably isn't yeah but I also want him to be who he am who who he am who he is <laughs> and <laughs> I thought you were gonna just try to start uh, quoting that Timbaland song the way I are what was it oh yeah <laughs> something like that um, that's literally how my three year old talks right now he cannot get his pronouns sorted out but yeah I just I think. Like our, my, my partner and I, our approach in that was to like continue to like debunk mm-hmm. like what he was like learning to be true. I hate, but it's mm-hmm. just like so disconcerting to lose control of the message, right? It's like, yeah. oh, we are no longer the only yeah. factors in your worldview. Yeah. And I hate that. Yeah. <laughs> and so what are, you, what are you doing with your three-year-old then knowing that that's kind of how yeah. things are going to progress now that you've seen it, how it, how it works in action? 
Well, I'm even more nervous because my three-year-old was like very like naturally inclined toward very stereotypically dudish stuff. Like mm-hmm. he loves trucks and he mm-hmm. like my eight-year-old, none of this stuff, like disinterest, like couldn't be less who he was as a small kid. But at the same time, as a like basically the entire year of two, he told us he was a girl and we're like, cool. Sounds mm-hmm. good. like even he has like snapped into position and somewhere along the way picked up like oh no I'm not oh right and is like now like changed his pronoun and he's like and do you think like that was his choice to change it or do you think that's like the message that he received who knows but I have to believe that there's like I mean stuff happens all the time where I'm like god damn like we're again like even (laughs) earlier with this one I feel like we've lost control of the message like yeah stupid things like we're buying a sleeping bag the other day Mm -hmm. it's all like capitalism crap too like it's like the things you buy yeah but I'm like which one do you want I'm holding up like obviously there's like it's like again and then we're locked into this binary baloney yeah there's a spider-man and a disney princess like which is just like I should have just left the store right there but I I just talk about that in a second green sleeping bag without any of where's yellow can we get yellow (laughs) like um and all these like yeah market of like whatever like characters that you're like trademarked um and he said it was the first time he's ever said something like this again i'm like my little heart shattered he's like that one's girls Mm -hmm. like looking at the pink princess bag Mm -hmm. and i'm like i'm the parent who's in the aisle who's like arguing with my three-year-old about like no it's not (laughs) yeah this is for bag this is for people that like these princesses and like this color yeah (laughs) anyway but he's just there for elsa stan he's like that's for girls. I want the spider. Anyway, so it was like, it's coming up earlier even with yeah. him. And I, and I wonder if it's just because like we have an older child who's like also like performing gender in a particular way. I don't know. I think it's just like at this point about leaving the door open and continuing to challenge mm-hmm. and also like normalizing gender spectrum. Like actually yeah. these are not two boxes. Yeah. And I think that's a good place to go too, because yeah. when we're talking about sort of, yeah, what we're doing with our kids mm-hmm. to let them know for the spectrum that exists. And so I was asking my son just to kind of see where he's at. So I was like, okay, like, you know, some, cause I'll often ask him like, you know, are you a boy today? Are you a girl today? Or like, nice. what's your name today? Or like, mm-hmm. you know, just sort of ask him what his identity is for the day. Cause like you're saying it's expression and playing and figuring it out. Mm-hmm. And then whatever his answer is, that's cool. That's what we roll with. But cool. then I also asked him, I was like, so what is a boy? Mm-hmm. And then he, it was great because he thought about it for a while. And so I was like, okay, he's like legitimately thinking about this. And then he was like, I don't know. Oh, that's lovely. And so I said, okay, what's well, a girl? And then same mm-hmm. thing. He thought about it for a little while. And he's like, I don't know. But it was interesting in that I think he felt like he needed to have an answer. Like he mm-hmm. almost looked sheepish that he didn't know. Mm-hmm. And Bloody. I was like, no, you don't have to have an answer. Like I just wanted to know what you were going to say. You should have been like, you're right. <laughs> Correct. And so like, I want I hope that we're able to find a way to protect that because like, mm-hmm. what is a boy? What is a girl? Yeah. It's, it's nonsense. Yes. At the end of the day. Yeah. It's a construct. None yes. of it's real. It comes from it's the matrix. I actually don't is. know if that's an appropriate reference. <laughs> I still don't get that movie. I like it. I like it. But we are in the gender the matrix coming out. Ooh, is there a new one coming out? Yeah. Oh my. I better Although catch up. Lawrence Fishburne wasn't invited to be in it. Ooh, I- yeah. That's another episode. So I got to be perfectly honest, never seen a single Matrix movie. What? I know. 
Wow. I know. And you know what? I have actually heard that like they are kind of allegories for like, this might be like, I don't know, GM community, correct me if I'm wrong. I've heard some stuff on the, on the World Wide Web (laughs) that, that there are some allegories for like gender non-binary stuff and like challenging gender prescription. Yeah. You know what? As you were saying that, I actually, I think you're right. I'd have to revisit it because that movie made very little impact in my mind, especially by the third one. I was just like, yeah, "Yeah." I mean, sure, I'll go see it in theaters because I'll see anything in theaters. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I used to see anything in theaters. I I was going to say, good luck with that. Yeah. (laughs) So we've talked a lot about like the insidious stuff that's there for boys Mm -hmm. because that's sort of like what we're grappling with. Actually, speaking of insidious, I also wanted to say boys will be boys. Ugh. (laughs) <laughs> yeah boys will be shitty violent aggressive uh uncontrollable plagues on society like that's my interpretation of that statement yes and i think that's like insidious for boys but it's also insidious for everybody else oh big time it's a scapegoat it's a yeah, it's, a, it's a scapegoat for the people who use that to hide behind for any shitty behavior that they do mm-hmm. and then it's also what's the word I'm looking for it's also like we were saying earlier gaslighting Mm -hmm. so like it gaslights people who question that behavior and then it also silences people and it completely eliminates accountability yes like it it implies from a very young age that cisgender boys don't have to have accountability yes for their behavior and what a like shitty thing to tell them that they are not capable of I mean, we might talk about this in future episodes. I think, you know, we want to talk about like body safety stuff and consent, but like, yeah, to suggest that like they're inherently not capable of those things is such an insult. Yeah. That's going to come up. Let's, yeah. Let's put a pin in that kind of for now because we are definitely going to go there when we talk about consent. Yeah, for sure. But anyway, yeah, I agree. It's It's super insidious. So yeah, it takes away accountability from people who that label applies to, who that statement applies to, boys will be mm-hmm. boys, but it also takes away agency from other people as though like these things can just happen to you because you know, boys will be boys. Uh-oh, culture sucks. Like, <laughs> But what are you gonna do about it? You know, boys will be boys. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? You want a pretty dress? <laughs> yes, that's insidious for boys. So then what is some of the things on the flip side for how we raise girls? And I just want to keep reiterating, like, the fact that we even understand it in that binary way it yeah. is in and of itself, like, totally insidious. Yeah. But and I want to talk about what uh, raising yeah. uh, non-binary, non-binary, non-binary <laughs> children. For sure. So, like, that's always a place to start. But I don't know. What do you think? Like, what were the things for you that you're, like, I know we talked a little bit about our own experiences, but, like, that you hear people saying or that, you, like, you notice like, got, are, like, cringy, like, ugh, like, Being contributing. Polite. Yep. Being polite, not talking back, which is also most of the time translated to not speaking up or speaking out. Staying in line. Yeah. And putting other people's comfort above your own comfort, which also translates to putting others' comfort above your own safety. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. What a dangerous message. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have this, like, weird thing that I've noticed in schools. Mm-hmm. This is, hopefully is not a tangent, but, like, where it's like, I hear people say like, oh, school is not like designed well for boys. Like they, yeah, have, oh, like they, yeah. they need to get their energy out and they, it's like sitting all day. I don't disagree with that, but I think it's a nonsense statement to suggest that it's only poorly designed for boys. Yeah. And something that I've noticed is that like, 
there's this like weird gendering that's happened by the time kids are school aged where girls do, you know, sit in their seat and like do what's required of them Mm -hmm. because they've already been gendered, like, you know, trained well enough Mm -hmm. by K or one that like, that's their role. And then like, you know, we do, we do give like, but boys like more, I mean, they do, sometimes they struggle in those spaces speaking of like my even my own kids experience but you know we seem to give them more leeway in mm-hmm. that struggle mm-hmm. and then but then there's this like when a when a little girl or like you know just still speaking in the binary because this is how schools are even understanding it yeah yeah um is one of those kids who can't sit and can't like somehow i feel like the re- response to that is always is seems like much harsher yeah oh for sure that's where you get like you know the labels like bossy or mm-hmm. the labels like they talk too much or mm-hmm. you know like all those sort of stereotypes yes thank you but yes. it's like if you put those two behaviors like a like a cisgender boy and a cisgender girl doing the same behavior in a classroom mm-hmm. i feel like the response to the, the girl's behavior is this is usually like it feels like i don't know i just like an, I, i've noticed it it's extra it's more unsettling for people or it's yeah. like feels like more out of place it feels more combative yes and i think it gets framed in ways that are like then um prescribing and like not manifest destiny that's not the word i'm looking for but like it's like then it's like you know kids are assumed in a certain way that they're going to behave a certain way and that means yes. a certain thing yes where instead of just like looking at the behavior for what it is this behavior is suddenly like uh, it's, it's a stand-in for all of these other traits mm-hmm. and characteristics which now because you spoke out that one time out of turn uh, apply to you and will mm-hmm. follow you yeah can you have you ever had that like for yourself where you felt like there was like a double standard with some, some form of behavior that you had. I can't think um, of any. Well, I mentioned the man yelling at me for playing soccer. Yeah. Uh, and then also, yeah, actually I remember, cause in my junior high, now that I'm thinking about this, yeah, in my middle school, we had our, maybe, was it like this for you? Did you have separate gym class? Like, was it divided oh, yeah. by gender? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it, that started in middle school cause elementary, everybody had gym class together. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in high school, maybe we even did, but for whatever reason in middle school, it mm-hmm. was separated. And then I just remember wanting to do like whatever the boys side was doing in gym and like the, the male gym teacher having like a real issue with that. Of course he did. <laughs> I'm, I'm picturing the gym teacher from Goldberg's. I don't know if you watch that show, oh, but sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. And I just, I, yeah, that's, there's probably examples that are jumping out in my brain that are similar, but I, I don't know, just even just like getting smaller. Like, I think we encourage girls to be smaller. Yeah. Like physically and also behaviorally. Right. I wasn't even thinking, <laughs> I wasn't even thinking of the physicality piece. I mean, that's yeah. a whole other conversation. I, I feel like we need like a five parter, um, <laughs> but yeah, like just like take up less room yeah. with your voice with your, yes. yeah. Like, and, and again, like nobody is necessarily saying those things out loud to little girls, no. but they're taking those messages in. And I, I even find I have to check myself with things that I say to little girls. And I'm, I think I'm getting better, but like, you know, even just like, I really challenge myself to like, and I'm not a saint by any means. Like I make lots of mistakes, but like the first thing that I say to any of my nieces or any of the little girls in my life is never going to be something about their physicality. No. 
Oh, that's yes. Um, like, that's oh, you're so, I love your done. hair. Yeah. I like yeah. your dress. Like, and, and we all do it. Like I, I know I've done it and I, I have to check myself on that because I'm like, no, no, I like the way that you worked hard at your math today. <laughs> like, I don't know, finding. Well, like, it's interesting, right? Like, I think it's okay to say those things as long as you're also saying the other things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's like, I don't think you have to only say like, never notice, like, because sometimes yeah. you might actually think an outfit is cute or adorable. But I know, like, and I love but then It's also okay <laughs> to like, say that to a boy, like, you mm-hmm. know, where like, don't hold off on saying something to somebody who's one gender mm-hmm. that you wouldn't say to the under- other gender because it's not supposed to be the appropriate appropriate thing mm-hmm. where like you know like you can admire an outfit for an outfit no matter who's wearing it you can mm-hmm. admire um, mathematical prowess for <laughs> yeah. whoever is the one having the prowess without mm-hmm. it being like a caveat mm-hmm. to like their gender and maybe it links to what I said before about like what you lead with right like yeah. maybe it's like like you just being mindful of like the the messages that were like putting front and center or like Mm -hmm. making room for Mm -hmm. versus, you know, like, like the politics of those messages, like where, like, where do, what do we lead with? Where do we, yeah. But I think you're totally right. As long as it's like, we're, as long as that's not the only thing you're doing. Yeah. Do you find that there's anything that you have to like check yourself on in this area? Like that comes up for you or like, Oh, I, I have to check myself on that with your own kid or without any other kid. I'm trying to think with my own kid. I feel like I'm generally pretty mindful of mm-hmm. like sort of sometimes I'll catch myself Well, normally it's just like I tell my my son that he's really cute or like mm-hmm. you know but then I'll like think in my head I'm like okay but have you told him other things lately that you also like about him that are not physical appearance mm-hmm. and so I like generally so it's like one of those things where like before I'm like before I stop myself I'm like oh god I'm such a bad mom what am I doing this is awful mm-hmm. then I just think to myself before I spiral well what else have you said lately like are are you saying other things? Mm-hmm. And so generally I'm like, okay, like just, you know what? I am like, I also told him that I think he's like really smart or I really like the way he figured out mm-hmm. a problem or I really like the shorts that he picked to wear that day. <laughs> or mm-hmm. I really like the mm-hmm. way that he cleaned up after himself after mm-hmm. he spilled his cup of milk. Yeah. I mean, that last one didn't happen. He'll never I was like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like also like being really forthcoming. One thing I've been trying to do a lot is when they show compassion or when they show Mm -hmm. kindness or Mm -hmm. when they're like, I like the way that you told me how you felt about that. Yes. Because I don't always do that. I'm big on feelings. Mm -hmm. Because I also just think knowing how people feel makes life easier for everybody. Totally. Like emotional literacy is just going to make the world a better place all the way around. And like, so cliche. I feel like I'm just a walking cliche, but like parenting's hard. (laughs) So like if I can make it easier on myself by just Mm -hmm. equipping my son with the vocabulary and the understanding to Mm -hmm. express what he's thinking and what he's feeling, then like, yeah, man, why wouldn't I do that? Why would I just try to narrow him to a certain set of emotions? Mm -hmm. Because like, you know, sure, let's make things harder for him and harder for Mm -hmm. me. Cool. Mm -hmm. Good plan. And like celebrating that like skill, right? Like, oh, it's like so great. Like just as much as you would anything else mm-hmm. and like putting weight behind that skill yeah I find I have to check myself on I really I'm really trying to check myself on how I talk about families Ooh, okay good one being really like intentional like if we like obviously we talk about books a lot because they are such a vehicle for learning and like absolutely normalization and but like our books showing families that are diverse and mm-hmm. look really different like lots of different ways mm-hmm. um with like a non-binary parent or like 
two moms or two dads or like, you know, whatever, like a Mm -hmm. single parent or a grandparent or whatever that looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, So even when I talk about like fictional kids or like we're, you know, whatever, we're chatting about something. I'm I'm trying to check myself on like the mom and dad nonsense. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like generally, I think that's an interesting one too, right? Because that's a tangible thing that people can do with parenting around gender. And Mm -hmm. I've also tried to be more mindful of that too. Just even as things come up, like where it's like, you know, when we grew up, all of the books were like mailman, Mm -hmm. fireman, you know? And so like, just like- Person. (laughs) Finally, yeah, exactly. Just like switching it to like mail carrier, Mm -hmm. firefighter, where nothing explicitly- um, why am I losing my words? This is a great time for that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. It's late. <laughs> There's like nothing, um, explicitly it's not, suggested. Yes. It's, that's not the, the story. Term. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Like I think just as things come up, just, mm-hmm. you know, answering questions that come up, for instance, lately, because I, I think I mentioned earlier, things are kind of aligning with, or like, you know, whether I'm noticing it or whether it's just the way it's happening, where mm-hmm. as we're like preparing for episodes and thinking more about things, then conversations are also coming up. Yeah. So like he told me, he doesn't know what a boy is and he doesn't know what a girl is, but mm-hmm. then he'll say something like, you know, when, when you were little or yeah, when you were a kid, you were a girl. Mm. Interesting. I'll say like, yes. And now I'm a woman. And then he'll be like, okay, like what about his dad? When he was little, he was a boy, but Mm -hmm. now he's a, and uh, now he's a man. And Mm -hmm. I said, yes. And so then he'll be like, I'm a boy. And when I'm older, I'll be a man. And so like, instead I'll just be like, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's like, you know, like where Mm -hmm. can you something that simple where I'm like, maybe, and then like go on as much detail. Like, I don't think you necessarily have to shoehorn everything in conversation, but be available Mm -hmm. to the opportunities as they present themselves. So like sometimes, you know, I'll just say maybe and leave it at that. But like, as things come up, I'll also explain to him that like, sometimes Mm -hmm. people might be a little boy, but then they'll grow up to be a woman because Mm -hmm. sometimes people are born into the wrong bodies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. And that's like, I don't know. I think there's like a fear for a lot of parents in like introducing some of these ideas around like, you know, like talking about gender in complex ways. Mm-hmm. And I think that because I've come up, I've come up against it in some of my other work mm-hmm. where, okay. where I hear parents say things like, oh, it, it's, they're too young. If I hear one more person tell me that it robs them of their innocence to talk about gender in complex ways, I'm going to tear every hair out of my head. That's so a like, promise. Don't you think it robs them of their innocence not being heard? Oh, it's just like every piece of evidence tells us that if we can do better in the way that we talk about identity and mm-hmm. with gender specifically, and if we can be more inclusive and if we can normalize like what you're just talking about, you know, the experience of like gender expression and gender identity and, you know, the fluidity of some of those things for a lot of people we save lives, mm-hmm. right? We like save, literally. We literally save lives. Yeah. Not to mention just the morality of that, right? Like, yeah, it's like people should be, it's a human right to be, be fully realized in who you yeah. are in my mind. And it is, we, like our, our code, legal code says it is too, right? Mm-hmm. That we, mm-hmm. yeah, that like someone cannot be discriminated against on basis of that. But I just, yeah, it's such a, it's such so telling though that like, somehow folks are equating bucking the binary or the conventional ways of understanding gender with somehow like 
perverting our children you know Mm -hmm. what I mean Mm -hmm. oh and it's just like and I think that comes back to like what you're saying just how people are uncomfortable with change Mm -hmm. whereas like change is the only constant right and so like things aren't always the way that they have been and so we don't have to think keep things stuck to the moment that they are right now I think I'm going two for two on YouTube references but yeah (laughs) stuck in this moment (laughs) but (laughs) but you know so like yeah there's discomfort too, because sometimes when you're having conversations with your kids, it's hard if you don't know the answer or if you're not comfortable having the conversation, Mm -hmm. but like we live in the internet age guys. Like Mm -hmm. sometimes my son will ask me something and I'll say, I don't know, let me Google it. Yeah. And like, that's a wicked thing to wicked. That's like the new Englander in me. It's a wicked thing to model. Um, (laughs) I was going to try to do a really awful Boston accent. I know it's coming. It's coming (laughs) from me. Parking the car at Harvard. Parking the car at Harvard. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, it's like, there's so much to unpack there. First of all, it's like modeling that it's okay to not know. And it's okay to like yes. go and learn. Yep. Second of all, um, what it also tells me though, is that when I'm hearing that from, from parents, they're conflating gender and sexuality, which are mm-hmm. different things. Mm-hmm. They're completely different parts of our identity and of mm-hmm. our, who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just, it sh- demonstrates a real lack of understanding on that fundamental, some of this fundamental stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and just a lot of fear, right? Which like, is like, and again, like it's okay to not know something. I there know. are ways to get information. And so like you don't, yeah. just cause you don't know something doesn't mean it's not something that you'll ever know. It's like you were saying in our conversation on race, like you have to make a choice to learn and to do better and to know more. And so like we have an unprecedented access to information. Absolutely. And so like, why not make use of it? Yep. For sure. Like when I needed a refresher for this conversation, because I was like, okay, I want to make sure I'm using the right terminology because terminology is important, but also mm-hmm. it's okay if I use the wrong term and then realize it and like learn and adjust because mm-hmm. it's not just like, you don't have to get everything right the first try, but you do need to try. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And if you've done harm with your first try, learn yeah. how to apologize. sit in that and apologize. Yeah. And it, yeah. It's again, another theme kind of coming out of previous episodes. Like, coming into being a parent, this isn't specific to gender, but just sort of things that I wanted to, for myself, get comfortable with saying to my son, knowing that like, as mm-hmm. we grow up and we'd be having conversations that I wanted to get comfortable saying, I don't know. I wanted mm-hmm. to get comfortable saying, I'm sorry. And I wanted to get comfortable saying I'm wrong. Ooh, trifecta. <laughs> and so far it's going pretty well because there's no shame in any of that. Because nope. like, I'm, I don't have all the answers. Sometimes mm-hmm. I fuck up and mm-hmm. like, sometimes, you know what? I am wrong and that's okay. Cause then when he hears, hears me say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Mm-hmm. Then he can go up to other people and say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. You make it okay to be wrong. Yes. Right. Yeah. That's totally like a, one of those, like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Sort of, um, non-overt covert things that we maybe that we model in just like our own behavior. Mm-hmm. I think that that's like such a gift to give your kid like here's here's a here's a good like code of conduct it's okay to not know it's okay to be wrong but it also is okay to have to apologize and yes for sure and I think being okay with not knowing also will help foster an interest in learning absolutely for a segment of our show that we call our momentum shout out. Abby, uh, tell me about something that you saw going on. I was at the spray park with my son and I saw this dad have a pretty cool parenting move. 
Uh, he was getting his son ready to leave the spray park. So, you know, getting out of the bathing suits, changing back into regular clothes. But somewhere in the changeover, his kid decided to make a run for it and just like bolted, like grease lightning, just ran away <laughs> and was streaking across the spray oh, park. And this dad just maintained his cool, just chased after his kid, who I repeat, like Usain Bolt, maybe needs to watch himself because this kid was fast. <laughs> yeah. And I just thought it was really cool how much this dad stayed calm and like, didn't yell at his son at all. Didn't shame him about running around naked in a public place was just like super chill, got his kid back, managed to like wrangle him into his clothes and then like carry on with their day and leave. That's amazing. And Honestly. It was actually cool. Cause he managed to avoid getting sprayed by all the different hoses and sprinklers and stuff too. Uh I feel like that's a reality show that needs to be in development. <laughs> Spray park chase down. <laughs> that's amazing. Good for him. I feel like swimming pool change rooms and spray park after post spray park are like a form of purgatory. So I don't know how he kept his cool. That's incredible. Yeah, it was inspiring. We're definitely obviously really interested in talking about gender diversity and, you know, like talking with kids about gender spectrum and creative play and all that, all that really good stuff. Uh, but we have been kind of talking a, a little bit more about like male, female experience stereotypes, um, mm -hmm. that part of the puzzle. So I want to, we want to spend a little bit of time really digging into like thinking about our kids that are, are you know, identifying as non-binary or gender creative or trans, you know, gender queer, whatever that fit is yeah, for however a specific kid. kids identify. So I, I was just thinking about pronouns. First mm -hmm. of all, like normalizing the practice of like asking people for their pronouns. Is yeah. An awesome. First step. Like yep. everywhere and anywhere, not just, you know, like for kids that maybe are using new pronouns or changing their pronouns. Mm -hmm. But I'm just wondering, like both you and I and our partners mm -hmm. chose to use gendered pronouns when our kids were born. Mm -hmm. What, like, why did you guys choose that? Why did you decide to use gendered pronouns and not um, like neutral pronouns? Uh, if I'm being perfectly honest, we didn't even think about it. Mm, interesting. We yeah. defaulted. Yeah we defaulted to what we've always known. Mm -hmm. And it's only as I've been a parent longer and sort of been watching my child grow and like learning and reading and observing that I've come to think about it more. So I think if we went back, maybe we'd do, we'd do things differently. Maybe we wouldn't. I mean, mm -hmm. you never know because we don't have time machines. Yeah. But, <laughs> don't. but yeah, if I'm being perfectly honest, it never occurred to us to not. Mm, interesting. Well, on the contrary, like it did occur to me mm -hmm. and I still didn't do it. Mm -hmm. So I think in our case, and I, maybe people can relate to this. I have so much respect for people that are making that choice for their family. Mm -hmm. If it, if it's feeling good and safe, I feel like w I wasn't brave enough okay. to make that choice. Brave in what way? Uh, I think it's a bold choice. I think it like sets you up to have to constantly be what's the word I'm looking for justifying mm -hmm. your choice and educating others and educating other people and having that discussion yeah I think if I'm being really vulnerable and honest I just wasn't brave enough I okay. think I allowed the easiest route to be my you know my deciding our deciding path I guess with the caveat that I sort of also was feeling like I am hopeful that even though we have chose to use gendered pronouns with our kids at this point mm -hmm. 
when we say that we also mean like just to clarify like he and him and versus and like she and her versus like they them neutral yeah because i'm hoping that the way that we talk about gender in our households and the way that mm-hmm. we've made it like explicitly clear that like mm-hmm. this might not fit for you mm-hmm. it's perfectly possible that you're going to want to explore a identity in a different way that mm-hmm. feels better for you my hope is is that that provides safety to make an adjustment if it doesn't feel good absolutely but, yeah and, but i sorry go that ahead. Just made me think, <laughs> yeah how i was saying like yeah it didn't occur to us and then just how as we're watching and listening and as we're watching our child develop that like i say my son but when i'm talking to my child as i mentioned before my child identifies mostly by vehicle and so <laughs> depending on what vehicle like every day starts with our kid asking us what vehicle we are that day and then telling us what vehicle that they are mm-hmm. and so depending on what gender he's ascribed to the vehicle mm-hmm. for that day that's generally the pronoun that i'll use for that day and i'm trying mm-hmm. to be more mindful of doing that because it really it like it shouldn't be a big deal so like yeah. you know if today he is i don't know like roy the fire truck then he'll <laughs> be a he. yeah. but then maybe tomorrow she's amber the ambulance so then mm-hmm. she and so it's sort of like based on that but -hmm. at the same time if i'm talking to somebody else and they're like oh do you have any kids i'll be like i have a son so it's Mm -hmm. it's a weird dichotomy because like to my child i will just go with whatever comes up in the moment but then talking Mm -hmm. to other people i default to the norm Mm -hmm. and so that's something i actually think i should think about and challenge myself instead maybe just be like i have a three-year-old yeah and like but even in like I'm thinking about it in, in my kid's case, like their names mm-hmm. are not neutral either, right? So I, I think it is like, I think you're making a really important point about how we talk to others and normalizing new, like neutral pronouns out, out of the world. Like if you're talking to somebody, maybe just like even like switching back and forth, right? Between like a gendered pronoun and a, and a neutral pronoun like they and them. Mm-hmm. I think the more that everyone is like normalizing that practice, regardless of who somebody is, mm-hmm that's helpful it's it's you know pushing things forward i think it's super cool with like how every day is a new identity though in your world i feel like there's I, I definitely a net- every once in a while that there would be a human identity yeah supposed to vehicle but you know <laughs> but it's cool i feel like there's like a netflix cartoon in that sort of like <laughs> exploring. because all of the characters that my kid is naming after are from netflix cartoons. okay copyright <laughs> pardon me copyright issue yeah, and I think like I- I'm really interested to hear from families that have made different choices. Yes, and if that applies, we'd love to hear your experience. And it just goes to show, though, like we're thinking about this stuff all the time, and we're, you know, we're engaging in it, and we 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 want to do better. But like the, the status the, quo pull the pull of the status quo is strong. It is strong, for sure. And I like I, yeah, it's funny. I I do find myself beating myself up about that piece. Like you know I you know and going back the worst part is is that going back i don't know that i would do it differently it's not like i'm sitting here now being like oh i would i would do it differently like if i, mm-hmm. I i'm still informed by that status quo and like the easiest path for the kid and for me mm-hmm. i don't know we're all flawed well, yeah and we're learning we're trying to figure it out and there's no guidebook right mm. and so i mean i was like right like kind of hoping maybe you'd right. say there Is was there? a guidebook and maybe Did you i get could one? just go check one out of the library <laughs> or something yeah <laughs> but i think like again that comes out to 
sort of unlearning things mm-hmm. that we were that we grew up with because yeah. you know this our kids are in a different generation than us now yeah and every generation gets new information and kind of tries to carry on some of the things of the generation before but also undo some of the things and create new yeah and I think we can learn a lot from parents who are like doing really amazing things in their own families mm-hmm. like comes to mind for me I know a few families who have kids who identify as trans and or are gender non-conforming gender non-binary and just like a little mini shout out to all those parents who are really modeling yes, what it looks like out. to be like an advocate for your kid to create safety for your kid and to you know like really celebrate who they are yeah because that's what I see happening with a, bun- a handful of parents that I know um, and that looks different for every family. Like I know some families that have taken like a very public route where they're like really like public activists about, um, you know, the rights of trans kids in schools and like their mm-hmm. kids speak out and like mm-hmm. are sort of representatives of the issue. And that's important. And we need those voices. And mm-hmm. I'm like super grateful for their courage and like their willingness to do that hard work. And then I know other families who are very private about what works for the, their kids experience and they're protective mm-hmm. and have taken a very different approach and don't want to be um, publicly speaking about their kids' experience. It's, it's, um, it's their story. And that's okay. And... That's totally okay. I think Absolutely, the but important I, part is yeah. the child being supported to be who they are. Totally. And that part is like they're in spades. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there's no one right way, I think, to be a supportive family for kids in their exploration of gender, except for allowing for it to happen and being Mm -hmm. supportive of whatever the result is. Sorry. I just, I don't know why this just popped into my head. I just had a memory from when I was a kid because Mm -hmm. you know, you do like creative writing in school and stuff. Yeah. I know this might turn into a therapy session. Just bear with me. I'm going to just good. I'm here. I'm just going to say this out and then figure out what it means in a second. Okay. We're going to tease it apart. (laughs) So I remember like writing things and always struggling with pronouns because I would always just write like they or them or theirs Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then always kind of getting, you know, the classic like red pen. I was going to say it was a red pen, wasn't it? Of course it was. They're not supposed to do that anymore. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a red, well, you know, like we said, this is just 10 years ago. I know. Pretty recent. (laughs) Just kidding. I own every year that I am. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, like, and I remember ago. being corrected on my pronoun use because I'd always just say they or them because it kind of, I couldn't be bothered to stop and to stop my flow of writing to figure out the character's gender. Like I just needed mm-hmm. to get all of the words out. So I would just say they, I would just say them. But now I'm also wondering if part of that is my parents, their native language doesn't use he, her pronouns. That's amazing. Like the word for he and him and her are the same. Mm. And so like, I remember when I was little, my parents would always get pronouns wrong because when they're speaking in English, mm-hmm. like they're, that wasn't their first language. So then they would always mess that up. And I'd always like, ah, oh, it's a boy, oh, yeah. it's a girl. But now I'm like, no, man, I think you were ahead of your time. I think they were ahead of their time. <laughs> but it's interesting that you felt shame around that, that you were like, oh, like that's transgressive. Like you have to properly yeah. categorize people. And- yeah. Like, oh, you're going to embarrass that person because you didn't get their gender correct. Yeah. I think they were just ahead of the curve. And I think that's really amazing. And there's probably other examples of like languages, languages around yeah. the world that have more, I don't know, just fluidity when it comes to like identifying people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where gender isn't like the identifying factor. It's yes. It's, or there is like, I know I might have this wrong and please fact check me community, but I feel like Swedish has a th- a third pronoun that's really like always been there like whereas like they and them were like really working hard to like normalize this like a third 
neutral pronoun, but Swedish has always had a pronoun. I want to say that it's Zay or Z or, so, or something that sounds like that. That's always been there and that's been like part of their um, lexicon and like their way of speaking, which I think is super cool and something that we can even, uh, you know, like aspire to in our own language use. I'm just trying to do a quick fact check as you talk and I'm not. I know I could see you. Swedish. I was like, she's fact checking me. <laughs> I'm like, she's this is fact what checking I live me. for, guys. I'm a research nerd. <laughs> I know. I can tell. You get your little research face on and I can see that you're. <laughs> like, I'm totally see the glow of, as like, you can probably see in the reflection of my glasses. I literally <laughs> can see the glow of your computer on your glasses. <laughs> the glee. The glee. <laughs> and you're like, I got to figure it out. <laughs> I know. But anyway, I just think, um, yeah, we have a lot to learn from parents that are supporting their kids to explore who they are and what feels good. Mm-hmm. We have, you know, just having the conversation is a great first step and mm-hmm. continuing to where we can in our small and big ways challenge the status quo. Yes. And uh, also, because, I yeah. think it's important too that you don't always as a parent have to be the one to direct the dire- to direct the conversation. Like you can take cues from your child. For sure. Mm-hmm to like what they're asking you and you can maybe see like depending on the questions people are asking maybe they're struggling with their identity maybe they know their identity and they're trying to let you know what it is without Mm -hmm. being saying the exact words so just listening is important Mm -hmm. and like maybe it's not even about like talking explicitly about gender but maybe Mm -hmm. it's the messages we give around like it's okay to be who you are whatever that is if you're feeling like you want to leave that door open like there's lots of things that we can be saying and doing in other parts of our you know, discussions with our kids that um, both explicitly and more kind of broadly encourage them to be able to be who they are. And I just wanted to jump in too, because we've been talking a lot about the non-binary gender identity. Mm-hmm. And so I just wanted to, I mean, it's probably a little late in the game here, but <laughs> I'm just going to throw out a mm-hmm. definition for some people who might not know what non-binary means. So this is from Teen Talk. And again, we're going to be posting a list of resources with this episode, mm-hmm. and this will be one of them. But they describe non-binary as someone who does not identify as a man or woman or solely as one of those two genders. Mm -hmm. It's often used as an umbrella term for identities that fall outside the male-female gender binary. Mm -hmm. Being non-binary means different things to different people. So this definition definition is purposely broad. Cool. Thank you for doing that. Yeah, sometimes we assume understanding that maybe we just need to make sure everybody's along for the ride when we're using terms. And if we ever do use language that you're like, what are they talking about? Please do let us know so that we can clarify that for folks, whether it's... Mm-hmm. And make sure it's included too in our yeah mini-sodes and in our um, resource lists. For sure. And I also just want to follow up um, with something I read on the National Center for Transgender Equality site. Mm-hmm. They just said, I think this is important. You don't have to understand what it means for someone to be non-binary in order to respect them. Absolutely. So use yep. the name a person asks you to use. If you're not sure what pronoun someone uses, ask. Mm-hmm. And it's, that's, awesome. it's, that's easy, tangible, concrete things that you can do. Mm-hmm. Like if you use the name somebody tells you to use. Yep. The same way when you introduce, like when you're meeting somebody for the first time, maybe you're meeting somebody that you used to know in a different way. And now you want to know who they are now, Mm -hmm. ask them. Or who they've always been and who they're now feeling safe enough to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Amazing. Yep. There's, um, we're all learning and we're all just trying to make sure that everybody gets to be safe in their own skin. Yes. Especially our little people. Yes. Because it literally saves lives. 
Yes. It literally saves lives and it is that easy. And again, this goes back to also just diversity in the books that you're reading with your kids, in the TV shows that you're watching, the movies that you're watching. Mm-hmm. Um, Meg, you told me about this really great book that you have read with your kids. That's mm-hmm. called, what was it called? Red? It's called Red. And other listeners may have read this book or know this author. It's an author by the Red, name like of the Mike. color, R-E-D. Right? Yes, R-E-D. It's an author called Michael Hall. And they've written some other really great children's books as well. But Red is a really cool story. It's about a crayon. Mm-hmm. And... It's about a crayon who has a red wrapper, but is actually blue. And like, I really love it because it like goes through like a real like process of like showing this crayon really struggling to be successful as a red crayon Mm -hmm. and like the things that people around the red crayon say, or the blue crayon, pardon me, but that I think is red that they, um, you know, feel are helpful or like trying to be helpful. And really, it's not until another crayon who asks the, quote, red crayon to make them an ocean. Mm. And the red crayon says, well, I can't because I'm red. And then the other crayon says, well, can you just try? And then the red crayon makes a spectacular blue ocean. And And the crayon realizes, I've been blue all along. This is why I haven't felt good and why I haven't felt comfortable or yeah, like I've been true to, to who be I am. Red when really I'm blue. I keep trying to be red and I'm not red. And then I love the way that the story ends too because it sends a message of a real hopeful message where the crayons from previous that were trying to be helpful but maybe weren't so helpful mm-hmm. um, are really celebrating how wonderful this crayon is as blue. Lovely. Yeah. So they're really like I I was inspired by their blueberries and like, you know, it's like cute little things about being blue. Yeah. And I think that sounds a really important message that like people are going to love and support you for who you are. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Awesome. Yeah. You had another good book. I feel like that you talked about. Yeah. It was a book we got out of the library um, pre-pandemic. So I think we just own it now. I think mm-hmm. that's what's <laughs> happening with library books. Yes, it's yours. <laughs> It's called From the Stars in the Sky to the Fish in the Sea, Mm -hmm. and it's by Kai Chang Tom, and it's just about a child who's born not knowing their gender, and their mom is just like, you know, you're awesome the way you are, and you're just going to be who you're meant to be, Mm -hmm. and so it kind of goes through the child going to school, and the kids not necessarily accepting them for who they are, Mm. but every day they go home to their mom, and their mom reaffirms that they Mm -hmm. are great and wonderful just the way that they are Mm -hmm. and they stick true to who they are and they don't feel because of that strength and the love and support from their Mm -hmm. mom they don't feel like they need to fit themselves in a box that they're Mm -hmm. not meant to be in oh it's gonna make me cry yeah (laughs) that's lovely Well, maybe we'll put those resources up on the gram and make sure that other folks can access um, that info and we'll put up some other book lists and any other resources that we have to share. And we want to hear from you if you have other books that you're reading or other resources that um, you think people would find helpful in having these conversations around gender and gender identity, throw, throw them our way. Or share stories or fact check us, call us out, anything that you want to contribute to the conversation we want to hear. Sounds good. we're going to end today's show with our pause for momentum. No two ways about it. 
Are you hoping for a boy or a girl? I'm just hoping for a baby. The first words after birth, it's a boy. I give a shrug, maybe. If I were a boy, Beyonce sang, Sarah wondered about it too. Maybe most women do at some point. Do cis men even have a clue? When boys will be boys feels like a threat, something ominous that lies ahead to dismiss concerns of toxic behavior, no matter whose blood ends up shed. Where's the same pass for girls or someone who's non-binary? Can a transgendered person get in on it? Let's save some for gender fluidity. There's no two ways about it. We know this now, so why ignore? Gender exists along a spectrum, and stereotypes harm us to our core. So I'll be me, and you be you. My kid will be who they're meant to be. I want to believe we'll get there, but will we ever let it be that easy? I am who I am. They try to tell me who I am, but shouldn't it be me telling them? Every box they try to stuff me in increases my sense of isolation. My body was born in a mismatch. Though I can appreciate its beauty, it does not reflect my gender. I fight to use my voice, but all they hear is anatomy. Can't I just exist as who I am? This is me telling you, so please listen. I am who I am, not anyone else. So mom, dad, please accept me the same way that I accept you. We acknowledge that Gaining Momentum is recorded, produced, and edited on the unceded territory of the Selic Okanagan people and the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe, Anina, Oji Cree, Dena, and Dakota peoples, and on the homeland of the Métis Nation. Gaining Momentum. Gaining hosted, making an app. With artwork by Catherine Please check our show notes with each episode for more information on Catherine and Evan, plus how you can stay in touch with us through email, Instagram, and Facebook. We look forward to hearing from you.